Welcome to this week's special edition of the Fins Up podcast. Reunited and it feels so good. Terry and I are back. Mate, it's good to see your face. It's so good to see you, Dan. How long's it been? It feels like months. Oh, look, the season ended like nine weeks ago or something for us, so I don't know. Too long. That's the answer. It's been been way too long since I've seen your face. It has been way too long, mate. We're going to do something special this year as opposed to every other year. We're going to break the season review into three because there's just too much to talk about. There is way too much. So we're going to review the backs this week and then uh, maybe in a fortnight's time we'll come back and review the halves and then uh, we'll review the forwards as well, but... We both decided that we would uh, we'd review the backs this week. These guys are way more fun to talk about than the forwards who don't really contribute much. You know, they they like to turn around and say that the wingers just hang out with footballers, but I haven't seen any of our forwards score fourteen tries this year. So hey, whatever. Hey, what can you say? So how how are we going to do this? We're going to go through. We're going to go random. We're going to go one I've, six. I've, I've got the backs in alphabetical order um, by surname. Perfect. Well, just just to let everyone know, I've done zero research, and this will all be on the fly. Uh, just like we do every week, Dan. Exactly Terry right. Research and all on the fly. Yo, beauty. So, Terry, you want to, want to kick us off, mate? Who's the first cab off the rank? First cab off the rank is a guy who we picked up mid-season to do a job for us, and I think he achieved just a little bit more than the job that he was meant to do, and that was Will Chambers. Shark, great Will Chambers. Grand final yeah. hero, Will Chambers. Grand final hero, Will Chambers. Now, look, Will Chambers was brought into the club for a couple of reasons. He was brought in to lift the professionalism of the club off the field from the players. I think he was also there to give Craig Bellamy a little bit of an insight as to how the Sharks are running as well. And with that, through the, the Will Chambers connection, he, he was he was instrumental in landing Dale Finucane for us. So, uh, look, his performance on the field... What do you expect from a 33-year-old centre who'd been playing rugby union for a little while, wasn't fit, hadn't played PVL ball last year, got caught out a bit. His defence wasn't you know, what he was known for. His attack was all right, surprisingly. He, he finished with a couple of tries. He scored a nice try for us as well. Um, was dropped due to a shocking miss and some over-the-top sledging against the Seagulls and the Warriors. Um, how did you see Will Chambers? When I think of Will Chambers, I think of three things. First of all, they're telling Fafita and Co to put the shirts on when taking Instagram photos to maximise sponsorship. Definite tick. The second was sitting in his car coming back from the airport when he didn't know exactly whether he was able to train or whether he had to isolate, whatever. Big tick. And thirdly, it was bagging players that I don't particularly like. In Walker, and I can't remember who the other one was, Lodge or... Matt Lodge. Matt Lodge. Also a big tick. Unfortunately, all that was undone by that tackle that lost us that game. I have a negative overall thought of all chambers. On the field, off the field, I think he was fantastic for us. So you take the good with the bad in terms of value. I think we got it. I think we got it out of Will Chambers. It was a signing we weren't 100% sold on. I don't know whether I'm sold on it now, now that it's done. But uh, in terms of a stopgap measure, I think it's a risk we needed to take. And ultimately, it, it worked out about what we expected. Yeah, you know, with, with the injury concerns that we had, you know, we had no Katoa, we had no Ronaldo at the time. Our wingers were Connor Tracy and Mawini Hirodi. Um, 
you know, Josh Dugan was in and out of form. Jesse Ramian didn't, you know, just the first half of the season, Jesse Ramian was nothing compared to the back half of the season, Jesse Ramian we got. Um, I think we got Will Chambers to do a job for us, and that job, as we said, was to up the professionalism. And I'll never forget that article that came out where um, the Telegraph came down to do a piece on the Sharks, and Will Chambers stopped the training session and made everyone go and put their training shirts on so the sponsors could see all their branding and then all the guys were doing Instagram stories and he took the phone off of them, made them put their shirts on and start the story all over again, which is absolutely incredible. You're right about, you know, he had to go down to Melbourne, his missus had a baby, he sat in a car for eight hours, he was fed through the window some water and some sandwiches, only to be told that he had to isolate for two weeks, so he drove back to Melbourne and then he drove from Melbourne to Brisbane to get in our bubble, which is absolutely incredible. So the professionalism that he brought to the club off the field was fantastic. The professionalism that he brought on the field, you could see what Will Chambers wanted to do, but he was too old to do it. And because he was too old to achieve what he wanted to achieve, he just let his mouth run. Now, if we were reviewing the best sledger in the competition, he's won it hands down. His comment to Sean O'Sullivan about Matt Lodge is the best thing I've ever heard on the field. <laughs> it's all time. <laughs> his, his performances, though, he's... Dreadful defence. Um, he's rushing up and leaving his winger exposed. That missed tackle on Ewan Aiken, who was facing his own try line, to then spin around and score and, and give the Warriors the opportunity to win the game. I originally wrote six for Will Chambers. Now, listening to myself talk about him, I have to give him a pass mark, so I've given him 5.5. Uh, I'm going to give him a flat five. I think it was exactly where we expected it. His time at the club is done, as far as I'm concerned. But thanks, Will. We won't forget the stories, and uh, yeah, you're right about that sledge. It should be on a shirt. Yeah, the, the, you know, it is sad. It, it is sad, but at the same time, I'm glad that you know we have come out and said that Will Chambers won't be, a, you know, he won't be offered a contract next year, and we thanked him for his time. The the bit that I think the club was a little bit dirty about was we hadn't spoke to Will or his manager, so Will Chambers actually rang the Brisbane Broncos and offered his services to them while we were still thinking about offering him a contract, and I think that along with the sledging on the field, cost Will Chambers another year at the Sharks. Now, if Will Chambers had re-signed, I didn't want him in the starting team. If you know, if Will Chambers played anywhere between six and eight games next year, it's great. But if he plays more than ten games, we're up shit creek without a paddle. So You're in trouble. I've given Absolutely. him a 5.5, you gave him a 5. That's it, mate. All right, the next player that we have is another player who is exiting us at the end of the season, but exited early, Josh Dugan. Now, this season leaves a really, really bitter taste in the mouth of Josh Dugan fans because I was stoked when we got Dugan. I thought he was the perfect centre at the time for us. He's what we needed, a big body, strong, good defender. Unfortunately, this season he really let himself down off-field, on-field. You know, the last, the last game he played for us was against the Bulldogs. And that says something. You know, we lost that game dreadfully and he conceded two tries, got pushed off by Will Hopawati and made a terrible mistake for Nick Kotrick to score. But we're not going to remember the performances that Josh Dugan gave us for the three and a half seasons before that. We're going to remember him for two bubble breaches and getting his contract terminated. Exactly right. Best thing he did all year was back-end us a little bit of money with an, with another off-field. Look, we're both big fans of Josh Dugan. It's been spoken about. In terms of this season, he was arguably in the bottom two, I'd say, in terms of performances. And he did put some negative light on the club. We don't need help. You know, it's something that we have cleaned up over the years. 
So to see him move on was was ultimately a good thing. Uh, there are some lunatics, <coughs> Kane Dawson, out there who still believe that he can play football at this level. He knows he can't, and hence he's retired. Look, you know, it's, it's a shame this has happened, as you said, because this will undo a lot of the good that he did do. Again, off the field last season, when we went overseas and played that trial game, Dugan was the one, you know, and he was the one that put us on the news for good, for positive. And everything was, you know, about how he'd, change, he'd come around the corner and this was a new Josh Dugan. He looked fit. I believed it. Unfortunately, the new rules combined with his age and multiple discrepancies, it's a terrible end. And, you know, like, I, I wanted Dugan to stick around at the club. I wanted him to be there to play the Bryson Goodwin role. I wanted him there to bring the young kids through. He's done himself out of that. And I think, ultimately, it'll his entire career is a question of what is or what could have been, which is a shame because yeah. he's a bloody good footballer and he did some amazing things on the field. Absolutely, and I think the other thing that cost Josh Dugan um, was when he came out and said, you know what, I know I'm not going to get $850,000, but his management went in and asked the Sharks for half a million dollars anyway. <laughs> yes. uh, you know, you got you got to read the room there, Dugs. Like, you know, the, 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 the new rules completely got you out of the game. Um, you're right, you know, talk about Josh Dugan off the field, the previous three years, the Papua New Guinea, the countless hours of charity work and hospital work, this guy was uh, a nominee last year for us for the Ken Stevens Medal. Mm-hmm. Absolutely, so deserved. That, that that lets you know the kind of person that he can be off the field. It's just unfortunate that two incidents we get put into they get put into a non uh, like I think it was level two COVID bubble. It was just when the Sydney outbreak was coming around. They're like, well, you know, stay at home, don't go to cafes. You got busted at a light cart restaurant, and then he doesn't get taken to Queensland which that there signals the end of his NRL career anyway. Or not his NRL career, the the end of his Sharks career. But then he's busted in Lithgow. And when they tell him to go home, he's busted 40 minutes later in Lithgow. And then he lies to the police about going and feeding some animals. Like that on top of the Bulldogs' performance, I I can't remember the prior six games to this. I gave Josh Dugan a three and a half out of ten. Mate, I must be harsh. I gave him a two. He turned up. I think he played one good game. I know he did play. He got Sinbin against the Dragons in round one. But overall, I have a real positive memory of him that night. I think he might have scored a try or something. But whatever he did was great. Unfortunately, that's the only on-field thing I can think of this year, other than the Bulldogs' fast. We were there, mate. We were right in line when Dugan dropped that ball or jumped and refused to catch it more like it. It's a two for me. Uh, now, the next player... Again, he, he divides a fan base. It's Moeen Hirodi. One. I am really surprised we gave this guy a contract for 2022. You know, I, I think it's an age thing because he's only young and he's you know he's quick and there might be a footballer there. Jesus, his performances this year were shite. That, that Bulldogs game that we went to, he scored one, and he bombed four. He did. He, like, Evan and mm. I on the podcast last night re-watched the highlights of this game, and we should have we should have had 30 points, and he should have had fucking 20 of them. Yeah, he, he should have won man of the match that day, and but unfortunately, he was the worst player on the field by a mile. He he made Sasai Fecky look like he could finish, you know? It was just, oh, mate, that, that whole game. 
I, if I could wipe one thing from this year out of the mind, it's not COVID. It's that game against the fucking Bulldogs. I'm with you. I don't know why we re-signed him. If Fitzgibbon sees a footballer in him, who am I to argue with Sir Fitz? I, I don't get it. You're right, he is quick. We signed him, and I was quite happy because he scored like a 1,000 tries for South in the reserves, which is fantastic, you know. New South Wales Cup, we've seen plenty of stars come from that. But in terms of performances this year, mate, every time I saw his name, like named after that Bulldogs performance, I cringed. The, the, the worst part about it was, he, you're, you're right, he did score a 1,000 tries for South Sydney, but he was in the New South Wales Cup, but he was always a left winger. And every time that he got promoted to first grade for us, he, he was playing on the right, and he looked like he didn't know how to finish. And you've only got to remember the game against the Knights where he scored that miracle try where his foot did somehow didn't touch the line, but he didn't look comfortable. That should have been an easy try. He should have strolled in in and scored. And and then, you know, just those, those tries that he bombed again, he just didn't look comfortable on the right. But when you think back to 2020, Marini Hirodi, when he was playing on the left, he finished his dinner. And that's, that, that's the thing for a winger. If you don't finish your tries, you're shit. Yeah, spot on. Well, that's, that's what you're there for. I don't think I'll ever forgive him for the Dragons drop where they kicked the ball out and we got it from the 20 and all we had to do was rock it up and kick a field goal. Look, Chad would have missed anyways, but... But Chad know, kicked the field goal that won us the game. He so. did in the end, which makes it really hard. But for him just to tap it and just lose it, and if it was anybody other than the Dragons, we lose that game on the spot there, so... Yeah, we're, we're, we're really lucky that Corey Norman is a worse footballer than Maureen Hirodi. Spot on. Anyone else in the game? And that goes over. Oh, mate. Oh, look, I I know why we re-sign him next year. He's cheap, he's young, he's quick, and he can play in multiple positions across that back line. But if he gets picked over either of the two young guns we've re-signed next season, I'm going to be really angry, which is unusual for me. Yeah, I gave Herodi a four, and I'm being generous. No, mate, it's a one for me. I no, fuck this. I must be in a shit mood tonight. He was awful. He was worse. When I said Dugan was in the bottom couple, Herodi was the bottom. Right. Jesus. A one out of ten. And he's lucky to get that, mate. Uh, Now... The next guy is a guy who had a very indifferent year, and the only way that it was indifferent is because he was injured. And that's Sione Katoa, because when he was on the field, he lit it up. Certainly did, mate. He is a player of tremendous potential. He plays way above his size. Like I know yeah. he's only a little bloke. I walked past him the other week, and I've got a fair bit of size on him. Unfortunately, most of it's around the midsection. But, you know, I'm a big guy. But uh, young Sione, mate. He's a brilliant footballer. I love him to death. The guy's a tackle-breaking machine, and he can score a try from anywhere. Yeah, and the the thing about Sione is the the criticisms of him in years prior were he was really dodgy under the high ball, and he ran sideways. This year, I don't remember him dropping a bomb, and if he did, it would have been heavily contested. I don't remember too many mistakes from him, and he was running hard at people. Like, the, the, the game that I, the, the game that sums up the potential for the back three from the Sharks was against the West Tigers. Before Ronaldo broke his jaw, they were kicking the ball to Sione Katoa, who was making 20 metres on a kick return. So, like, fuck this. Let's kick the ball to Ronaldo Molotalo, who was breaking him up the middle at will. And they're like, no, nah, we're going to kick the ball to Will Kennedy, who ran for 240 metres that day. Our back three is so underrated in terms of yardage, and I don't think people realise just how strong... 
how yardage is. And you only have to have a look at Penrith. Like, I know Dylan Edwards is a shit fullback, but he makes yards. And Brian Toto. We've got, like, obviously our guys aren't at that. Well, Will Kennedy's better than Dylan Edwards, but our wingers aren't at Brian Toto level. But they were still getting around anywhere between 140 to 200 metres game. Absolutely. Like, you look at... Not every forward needs... No, not every winger, rather, needs to score 25 tries a season. I can't think of one season where Sasaya Fecky had a... Oh, my God, he was so good. But you take him out of that 2016 side, and we don't win that premiership. His role, just to take the ball out of our own was so important. That's Katoa, except Katoa can finish on top of it. Like, the guy can score the most ridiculous of tries. When he scores and there's no one around him, he genuinely goes to leap and pulls himself back and goes, what do I do now? Because his default is to score a 10 out of 10 try. And I, I love him, but I'm a huge fan of the young Sioni. Yeah, his, his default is to do a front flip when he doesn't need to. Like, there's so many times he could just get low to the ground and score a try, but he's like, you know what? I'm going to jump over the corner post and still score. He wins the and I'm so thankful for it because... In a season that was really devoid of highlights, his finishing was just a pleasure to watch. Um, I think I might have been a bit harsh here on Sioni just because I remember a couple of shocking defensive reads. But I've given Sioni a 7.5 out of 10. 7.5, mate? I gave him an 8. So I don't think you're being too harsh there. He was real good, and I am really, really, really looking forward to what he can do next year. Next person. And I think this guy was nearly perfect. And that's our fullback, Will Kennedy. And if I if I could right now, I would bring in a thousand people to give us a standing ovation. I'd probably hire the orchestra as well. But my God, the leap that this guy made from just thinking back to round 20, 2020, against the Raiders, against that awful Raiders team, and the absolute shocking performance that he put in, and the fact that he wouldn't put his body on the line, he was terrible with his grubber kicks. He looked not interested. And I wanted anyone else to play fullback this year apart from Will Kennedy. And he's gone on and won our player of the year, the fans player of the year, the members player of the year, and the players player. And my God, he if we didn't have Will Kennedy this year, we're in a bottom four battle. He was our best player by an absolute mile. Everything you said and then some is true. Last year we flipped and flopped every second week. It's either, yeah, he's our future, or no, he's hopeless. Earlier this year, there was a time where we, I had said to everyone, I wanted Nico Hines to come play fullback, and I wanted Ma- or Manu to come play fullback. One of them had to play fullback. Now, it's Will Kennedy and Will Kennedy only. The guy's a genius. His ball playing is second to none. It took him a while to sort of inject himself in the game when Moylan didn't say, hey, here's the ball, get it? Moylan being injured actually helped Kennedy in a way because he went looking for it. Mate, I can't, I can't wrap this guy enough. He was our best player. He was our second best player. He was our third best player. No one else was even close. No, no one was. And I think it showed as well in the um, in the, the fan poll. Every week, you know, the, the Sharks put up and, and anyone could go on there and vote for it. And um, Will Kennedy smashed everyone. Like, he literally, like, I think he, I think he doubled and a half Jack Williams. Yep, makes so, sense. Yeah, he was like this season from Will was incredible, and you you, you know you're talking about he started the year off with uh, Moylan and Townsend, and his combination with Matt Moylan was something to desire. 
And then, as he does, Moylan broke down, Sean Johnson comes in, Sean Johnson breaks down, and all of a sudden, Will Kennedy looks like a shadow of the player he was. And, you know, we had Connor Tracy in the halves, we had Townsend in the halves, we had Braden Trindle in the halves, so we didn't really have a lot of creative spark. And we kind of went to Will Kennedy a bit too much, and I think he got flustered and overawed. And then it was like one day he just woke up and went, fuck it. I know what I've got to do, and I know when I've got to do it. And he chimed into the back line. You know, not every play was a try-scoring play, but every play that he injected himself looked dangerous. His kick returns looked dangerous. His diffusal of grubbers, his diffusal of bombs, his reading of the game, his defense this year was improved 10 out of 10. And, you know, he looked bigger. He put on a lot of size. Mm -hmm. I think he put on six or seven kilos compared to last year. And he's got a lot more filling out to do. But, my God, if that leap from 2020 to 2021, we're potentially talking about a top six fullback in the game. Absolutely. I mean, fullback is so important these days. You name the best three players in the game, two of them are fullbacks, at at least. You know, and Kennedy's, Kennedy's right up there. He had some incredible stats. He played better against Melbourne this year than Turbo did so far. Don't know, might be a grand final to feed me some crow there, but... You know, I I just going into it, I thought you know Johnson is our is our key, you know Bailey's development is key, and our forward development is key. Not really thinking Kennedy was going to do this, like he he's my kid's favorite player, and that says everything because I drive the Matt Moylan train like no one else. So genius. Yeah, well, last year, last year twenty twenty, Sean Johnson was our standout best player of the year. And CS if Talakai was runner-up. And I honestly thought this year, you know, Talakai was only out four weeks. I thought Talakai was going to come in and win our, our player of the year because he was that good. But Kennedy didn't give anyone a chance to talk about anyone else but Will Kennedy. And it would have been tragic and, and if Will hadn't have got, you know, the Sharks player of the year because we've got form in handing out awards to absolute <laughs> bombs because... In 2013, Todd Carney finished one point off the Daly M and Michael Gordon was our player of the year. And I remember just, I was at the awards night that night and I was like, how? How how does that work? So he would have been ripped off if it was anyone else. But I've given Will Kennedy a 9 out of 10. Yep, 9. He is going to be 10 out of 10 next year. Mark my words, he and Nico Hines are going to form the best combination in the NRL. I don't believe anyone can have a perfect season, but he would have got a nine and a half out of me apart from the couple of weeks where he didn't look like he knew how to get involved in the game because Sean Johnson was playing 5-8 and Matt Moylan wasn't. But after he figured, you know what, I'm just better than everyone. And I honestly feel that, you know, when Will Kennedy ran out onto the field, he was like, I literally can be the best player on the park. And even in games that we lost... You could turn around and go, fuck me, Will Kennedy probably could have got some Daly end points. Yeah, the Manly game. He, they, he was, I think he was like fifth or sixth when it went behind closed doors. Yeah, it, and mate, we had lost six games in a row at one stage in the season. He's incredible. That Manly game where Turbo was a 10 out of 10, Kennedy was good. He was real yeah. good. And there's been games where Turbo's blown teams off the park and their fullbacks haven't been able to do anything. So, mate, can't speak highly enough of Kennedy. I'm super wrapped that he's extended his contract again. Fantastic. He's the future. Now, the next guy is a player who I've got, who I've had an indifferent relationship with, but this year I thought he was spectacular, and that's Ronaldo Molotalo. Absolutely, mate. We had one big negative, and that was that he ran in all the time. 
he still does it a little bit, but I you get the feeling that players got to run in sometimes. If there's a two on one or, or something, they got to run in. He did it every single time last year. This year, it looks like he spent the offseason defensive workload. He looked bigger too, and I think with size comes confidence. And he is one of the most confident players in rugby league. Huge fan of Ronaldo. God help us if he clicks and reaches his potential. So I think he's going to be right up there. Should have played Origin. Should have played Origin. And you only, the, the, the development in Ronaldo, you only had, again, the Tigers game. But the Tigers had a three-on-one overlap. And last year, Ronaldo would have just run in, right? But this year, Connor Tracy told him to stay out. And he shut North Luma down. And I think that's, you know, it shows a sign of a player who, yeah, he bit back at me last year when I told him to stay on his fucking wing. But stay on your wing, mate. Just you do listen. it. You're a winger. You don't, you don't need to go and hang out with the forwards. They don't want you in there. Stay out there. And this year, he was brilliant. I, I think he was injury, you know, we're, again, we, we, we were robbed of a really good Ronaldo season. He still managed double-digit double tries. He still managed lots of highlights. And even when he got his jaw broken against the Tigers, he still managed to be the best human being in the world by giving his boots to a kid with tears in his eyes knowing that his season was over and the pain that he must have been in that an ice pack wasn't going to fix and he still gives a kid his boots. Yep, he's fantastic. We've seen the videos that you know Gaz and the, the team produce and they are great. You know, him rocking up to the kids training and the kids coming to training and thanking him. and He's, like I said, best human alive. He can get under your skin. He's the sort of guy that will run in and, you know, twist your, twist your knee and give you a little slap on the ground. As long as he doesn't cross the line like he did for Newtown in that grand final, that I just can't get past, I'm sorry. He's fantastic. And I think his aggression has been curbed and he's put it where it needed to be this year. He's another one that's developed great. That back three, as you mentioned, they're all young, they're all fast, they're all confident, and they're not even anywhere near their best yet. That is some exciting shit. When's the last time we could say that about Cronulla wingers? I know, well, 2016, right? That was it. Um, I mean, he, you know, Sasai Fecky still managed to score a lot of tries, and, and this is what we've got, try-scoring backs now. This mm-hmm. is brilliant. Um, the one thing, you know, for Ronaldo is he's just got that – you know, in, at, he debuted in 2019 and he was really getting under people, you know, getting under people's nerves. And last year he was doing it as well. This year it seemed like he would get under your nerves, but he wouldn't run 70 metres mm-hmm. to do it. And I think playing outside Will Chambers, Will Chambers was like, man, you don't need to run in and tell this guy he's a douche. Just fucking tell him he's a douche. Like, just do it. Like, I'll do it. Watch it, you know? And then. Maturity. Yeah, so. I, th- I think we did see a big leap from Ronaldo. It's it, it again, you know, injuries really, really ripped us off of a fantastic season. I gave him an eight out of ten. Yeah, I think he was probably our third or fourth best player in the games he played. I'll give him a seven and a half. I think he and Katoa were about where where they need to be, and I'm I can't wait for next season. He's the one. I hope to God that his jaw, you know, is fixed because he's going to need it because he's popular with the ladies. Uh, second last player that we have to review, Jesse Ramian. Now, if we were reviewing the first 12 rounds of the competition, I'm saying we've got to rip this guy's contract up. We're reviewing the last 12 rounds of the competition, I'm saying he's a top five centre in the game. The, the, last, the last couple of games we got from Jesse Ramian, he didn't run under 170 metres. Insane. He, would broke, he broke 10 tackles 
in 14 occasions this year. The one gripe that I have with Jesse Ramirez is he passes when he shouldn't and he doesn't when he should. Yeah, mate, I said that if NRL Live was a, was game, his his running would be 100 and his passing would be negative 100. He is destruction personified. We we forgot. Honestly, I reckon last season we forgot we had Ramirez back. He had a huge chip on his shoulder. He didn't look interested and he didn't go looking for work. I didn't get that feeling this year. Even when he was bad, I still felt that he went looking for work. Unfortunately, he almost killed that bloke in round one and missed a couple of weeks. And I think that that cost him a little bit. I think he curbed his aggression and that sort of cost him. But that back end of the season, recency bias, mate, he might have been our second best player after Kennedy. He was so yeah, good. I think I think the opening rounds of the season really um, really did hurt him, but the the back end of the season that Jesse Ramian had, honestly, people should have been talking about him in the Joey Manu, Matt Burton, Justin Olam class of centers because he was awesome. Like I know we lost the game against Newcastle, but everyone's talking about Bradman Best is going to be the next Origin center, and he gave him a bath. Yeah, he did. <laughs> he, he honestly, he honestly killed him. Ramin's so Sorry. good, mate. He's a, he's a weapon that very few other teams have, and we have to work out how to use him fully next season. Yeah, absolutely. And and it's one of the things that I've been a little bit critical of the tenure that Sean Johnson had at the club with us because you have to have a look at the combination that he was able to strike up with Ken Romalo and David Fusatua. And honestly... All the backs that we gave Sean Johnson were better than them. He got his hands on Josh Morris. He got his hands on Bronson Zeri. He got his hands on Josh Dugan before it became PVL ball. He got Ronaldo on a debut. He got Sione Katoa who can finish his dinner. And it just seemed like Sean Johnson was just so happy to pass the ball away, Graham or Britt Nakora. The Britt Nakora line, that's it. Mate, John Johnson, and we'll, when we review him next time, yeah, that, that'll definitely come up. But... Uh... Yeah, look, Ramian next next season, I have got him as an early favourite for our player of the year next year. I reckon Nico Hines and whoever plays 5'8 or halfback with him are going to learn a lesson from Fitz, and that is let's get Ramian the ball that Bradman Best should get, that Joey Manu does get, and let's turn him into the best centre in the game because he's got all the skills, if he can learn to pass. Yeah, that, that's the big one there, but look, Jesse Ramian finished the year averaging 15 runs, 140 metres, 86% on his tackles, five tries. I'm not happy with that. Two try assists. Uh, the, the thing for Jess was his errors were down. He made six errors this year, and I think last year he had something like 20 errors. Yeah, that makes sense. So, yeah, it's, you know, we, saw, we saw a big improvement from, from him this year. I gave him a 7.5 out of 10 because the first 12 rounds – were absolutely shit, and I didn't want him in the team. And it was to a point where I was like, seriously considering us running out with a centre pairing of Will Chambers and Josh Dugan, which would have been diabolical, but that's how bad he was. And then the back end of the season, as I said, he was near on the most destructive centre in the game. I went seven. I was a little bit dirty on him for a few of those passes that he didn't give and a few that he did give. He has the the potency to make a break, then lose the ball, which shits me greatly because he gets my hopes up and then fucks up, and I hate that. 
It's funny you bagged the Chambers Dugan because five years ago, that was our world, seven years ago, that was our World Cup winning centre pairing. But this season, it is terrible. Yeah. Boy, 2017, wasn't it? Yeah, that's the one. I can't remember. Whenever the fuck it was. We were here. It was awesome. Yeah. Love me some money. The last player that we have to uh, review, and I think this guy was. I think he was our second best player of the year, and at one point I thought he was our best player of the year, and that's kind of Tracy. Now, you and I debated off-air whether we put him in the halves or the backs, and we put him in the backs because he played more games in the backs, and he's a terrible half. That pretty so much sums it up, yeah. If we, had to judge him as a, if we had to judge him as a half, we, you know, he'd be getting a 2 out of 10, and it's, it's not up for debate. Um the poor bloke trained the whole preseason at fullback and was never a realistic chance of playing there. Um, played some games on the wing, was incredible. Played some games in the halves, was really bad. Played some games in the centres and got better and better as the season went on. He finished our joint top try scorer with 14 tries this year. I didn't realise how good he was and it really upsets me that he's so small because I think he's he's, he's got the heart to play centre but he's 80 kilos yes. and and you saw when he came up against Katoni Staggs and Stephen Crichton what they do to 80 kilo centres that that's exactly it he he over overachieves wrong word he over delivered compared to what I expected if you yeah. said to me, where's Tracy going to be? I'd say, yeah, it'd be four, four or five. If you said he's going to play every single game this year, I would have laughed you out of town. If you'd said that, I would have said, okay, 10 or 12 minutes off the bench. He became arguably our most important player this year because you take him out and some of those sides are absolutely laughable, detestable, gross football sides. But no, but no there, was, there, was the, there were a couple of games where you and I were like, why are we giving the ball to Connor Tracy to make a hit up, you know, 30 metres out from our own line? And then towards the end of the year, we're like, give the ball to fucking yeah. Tracy. We need to get out of our end zone. Get the ball to Tracy. I wish. Now, he just runs. He runs with so much heart. Like, if Aaron Woods ran like Connor Tracy, fucking hell. I was going to say, if I could transport his heart and character into Talakai, we'd have the ultimate footballer. Because he runs harder than... Any of our forwards this year, except perhaps Jack Williams was the reply I got. But I'm going to go over the top and say that Tracy runs harder than any forward we had this year. And that's not bagging the forwards. It is a little bit. But Tracy is just, he was head and shoulders above what I thought he would be this year. His performances at the end of the year were, he needs to play centre. Like when he was named at six and Moylan was on the bench, no, just put him in the centres. Just get rid of Chambers. The experiment didn't work. Put our best option there, and then next year we'll deal with it. There's a very, very real opportunity, a chance that he'll start centre next year, whereas probably maybe 15 weeks out from the end of the season, everyone, including myself, was saying, we need to go sign a centre. Now, not so worried. Yeah. I mean, a really good question was posed to me last night on our podcast by Evan was, if we sign Braden Burns, who starts in centre? Is it Connor Tracy or Braden Burns? And my answer is... Either one of them is going to be good, but I think Connor Tracy played himself into that starting position. But there's also the chance then that you could turn around and go, well, look, we've signed Braden Burns. Tracy can play off the bench. And if the Burns experiment doesn't work or he breaks down like he does, you've got a pretty handy centre anyway. But I would, you know, 
I honestly feel now that if round one next year, Connor Tracy's fit and healthy and he's not in our back line somewhere, it's a rip-off for this year because he's earned it. Um, I gave him an... I, I really struggled to give him a rating on this one because he didn't he didn't play a position. It's not like Will Kennedy played every game at fullback or every game that Jesse Ramian was available, he played centre, or Ronaldo, every game he was available, he played wing, and you could judge them. He played everywhere. You know, he played halfback, he played centre, he played six, he played on the wing. I'm pretty sure Will Kennedy went off with a HIA, so he ended up playing a couple of minutes at fullback against Parramatta. So he played everywhere. Um, I gave him an eight because I just thought he was spectacular. Mate, I've got an eight with an underline, so I feel like I may have underdone him there. Absolutely agree. Yeah. I, I still maintain that he was our most important player this year because he just did everything that was asked of him. And yeah. as you described, and, and, everything. And don't, don't, get that, don't get Dan's statement confused with Will Kennedy being our best player because he was, but our most important player this year definitely was Connor Tracy because it wasn't as if we turned around to him and said, hey, you got to play on the wing, and he shrugged his shoulders and dropped his head and went, oh, you know, fucking hell, they signed me to play six, I'm now playing on the wing. He's like, right, I'm on the wing, how do you play wing? I've got to get in the dummy half. I've got to get back. You know, if Ronaldo gets tackled, I've got to be the one to take the second hit up. When he was in the centres, he was like getting everyone out of the way going, come on, this is my hit up. He was taking two hit ups a set to get us out of our end zone. And this guy's a fucking halfback. That's it. Not a good one, but he's a halfback. That's it. When we signed him, I was very, very excited because I thought he was a better option than Chad Townsend. Everyone's a better option he, than Chad he's Townsend. He's a better halfback than Chad Townsend. Oh, absolutely. And he's a player that will just... He die for you had the feeling he die for the club, you know he's not been a shark for that long, but he would die for the club, and that's the kind of player you want. Now I probably should have given Connor a bit more of a higher rating because when we played the Bulldogs, I needed a Connor Tracy try for a massive multi, and and you know Royce Hunt pops that ball, bang! Oh no, it's Hamlin Newell. pops that ball, bang! Connor scores. So I probably feel like I should have given Tracy half my cash and a higher rating, but you got an eight, Connor, uh, and I thought you were brilliant this year. Be happy with it, Con. I just, mate, I can't. Like, he, he deserved that contract. When we were talking yeah. and it was like, are we going to offer him a contract? At first, I'm like, oh, yeah, one year, you know, put him on the bench. You have to sign him. You need players like that in that position. Look what Nico Hines did for Melbourne this year. Connor Tracy yeah. was our Nico Hines. Yeah. Like, Nico Hines, like, fullback, wing, centre, halfback, 5'8". Lock. Played lock. Yeah. yeah. Um, That's Connor. You know, Connor Tracy is the, the type of guy that you need in your team. Um, he's like a poor man's Connor Watson. But this year, you know, obviously Tracy played a lot better than Connor Watson, if that makes sense. But, you know, I would be comfortable if, if an injury happened in the game and you had to turn around and go, you know, we've got 20 minutes left to go. Tracy, you've got to go and play six. You live with it, right? But... The only the only thing that I have with him not being our fourteen is if he had to play in the forwards, I don't think he could do that. But at the same time, if there was fifteen minutes to go, we're down on injuries, and you know you could you could on if he was on the bench, you could honestly turn around to Jesse Ramian and go go into the middle of the field and kill someone. Yeah, so well, just mate, go in there. And do it, so next year yeah, we've got I, so many players that can do so much because Nico Hines can slot in the thirteen. You know. Ken McInnes, even though he's small, can play prop. You know, like, we've got so many options next year. Connor has to be there in round one. Simply put, whether he's in the centres or whether he's in the 14, he's got to be there. 
I agree with you 100%. He can't be a halfback. He doesn't have the creativity or the kicking game for that. But his ability out wide, his running game is a 9 out of 10. And that, for me, is the perfect center. And I can't wait to see what Fitz does. When he gets his hands on these young players and brings them forward, holy moly. Like, so Connor Tracy here, I just went through his stats. Right, Connor Tracy averaged 15 runs for 134 meters. And that got that those meters per game got severely dented by the times he played in the halves. Mm-hmm. If he played on the wing or in the centers every year, he's probably up around about the 160, 170 meters per game mark. I just I, I picked a random game. I, I picked a random game, and it was the Broncos win that we had. And Tracy had 160 meters, 12 tackle breaks, and a try. Like it's incredible. The guy's the guy's 183 centimeters and 85 kilos. Like he is just all heart. And, and that, you know, any other year with the Sharks finishing ninth, you're probably talking about him being our Player of the Year because of you know his um, his versatility and, and all the gaps that he plugged. But it's just unfortunate that Will Kennedy turned around and went, you know what, I'm, I'm one of the best players in the game now. Yeah, fuck you, he says. Oh, I mean, great for us. mate. Fantastic for us. Now, before we before we wrap this up, Terry, there's just one player I want to bring up that I thought that this time last year, tonight we would be talking about in a humongous light, and that's Jackson Ferris. Yeah. He's just, I can't see a spot for him next year, mate. And I, it pains me to say that because we got I, two freakish young players coming through. I, I, see a, I still see potential in Jackson Ferris, and I still see that there's the opportunity for Jackson Ferris to be a part of our roster. We don't have many backs signed up next year we're very very forward heavy and we're still looking for another prop we're looking for a center as well and Braden Burns's name has been mentioned but Jackson Ferris is a guy that you can go to on the 1st of November and go hey you know what we're three days away from getting a fine do you want a contract the other thing as well is he's under 25 years old so you can put him on another development deal I think that's the way I, I think it's the way to go with Jackson Ferris until he can prove that he gets his body right um there's there's going to be so many what ifs about Jackson Ferris. We saw his one game last year in Brisbane where he was that that mm-hmm. line he hit. No one was going to catch him. He's so quick. He's so strong. He's so fast. Powerful. Uh, the the the, pro, the the thing with that is that some other club will go and pick him up, and you know he gets his body right and he becomes an absolute all star. So I, I you know I still think that that you know we've got 24 players signed. We're apparently throwing big money at another prop. We're going to get Braden Burns by the sounds of it. But you still got four positions to go, and we're really light in the backs. And with four positions to go, you're probably saying, well, we need halfback cover for New South Wales Cup. We need hooker cover for New South Wales Cup. We probably need another back rower. It sounds like that Jake Kachowski from Manly is going to come across. Jackson Ferris is the other one. It's a no-brainer. I hope so, mate, because there's no bigger fan than Jackson Ferris than me. But... The one game that he did play this year, he only played for about 23 minutes. He was the worst player on the park for Newtown. I got all the boys down there in the rain based on the fact that Ferris was going to be the player of the match, and he was was awful. I hope that this time next year we're talking about him playing six or seven games and being an absolute freakish young talent about to break out big time because, mate, I rewatched those Newtown highlights earlier, and to say he is quick and powerful is a massive understatement. Another year and his body breaks down again, you so count your losses. Yeah. But this is 
this is a guy. This he is on. Like I said last night on our pod, on on the podcast with Ev, that CSC Fatalikai is the perfect Fitzgibbon project in terms of making him an international forward. Jackson Ferris is the perfect project for Craig Fitzgibbon to make an NRL player of, and he's he's, he's almost there. But yeah, I, the, the 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 last thing that like the worst thing that I could think would happen is he goes and signs with like the dogs or the tigers and he gets his body right and all of a sudden we're, we're sitting there going fucking hell we're out of under our nose look I, I hope you're right mate I hope he gets right and I hope he comes good next year hey um I noticed you didn't have Nene McDonald on the on your list what um he, he didn't play a game you, I know I'm making fun but you know, I, I don't know like I, I know I know it's a bit of a piss take but if you if you watch the, the Q Cup semi-final on the weekend Nene McDonald had 26 runs for 280 metres where was that First grade, you lazy fucking plotter. Yeah, I don't think that Nana McDonald's up first grade anymore, unfortunately. No, <sighs> just like, like he was easily, easily in that semi-final, the best player on the park. He didn't drop a ball. His defense was great. He was smashing everyone on his runs. And it's like, <laughs> if you just did that in first grade, you'd probably be in the team. Different bloke, mate. Same name, different bloke. What a shame. <laughs> what an absolute shame. mentioned him and how much joy he gave us Sione Katoa but I don't know if anyone saw during uh, during the week that his brother Tui Katoa looks like he's going to have to retire from NRL. I did see he's come that. down with a really really, uh, I, I can't remember what the injury is but it was like pretty scary for him so thoughts go out to the Katoa family Sione's been really good to you know Bossy, friend of ours in, in his time of need as well so um you know, fingers crossed everything's good for the Katoa family out there because they really deserve it. Absolutely. Really, really great family. Great people, mate. Fantastic. On that note, Dan. Hal Nico Hines. <laughs>